Welcome to Get Messy, a Melbourne Emergency Student Society podcast covering all the crit care content that med school wants you to know, and then some. All the information is put together by medical students for medical students and should not be taken as medical advice. If you guys enjoy this podcast, please make sure to check out our Instagram, Facebook and website, which can be found in the description. Alrighty. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, today we're just going to be talking through some stories from ED. Oh, look, it's been a it's been a hot minute since I've been in ED. Um, I yeah, so I did an ED rotation first last year. So when I was MD two, we had our foundation term, then went straight into ED, and it was all a bit tricky at that point because it was still like COVID kind of looming. Like we weren't quite at Delta and Omicron, but it was kind of like intermittent lockdown. So everyone was kind of a bit on edge having med students there. I do remember having a couple of really like good, not, not funny stories, but just like the whole classic, you know, you've got this like young stoic guy who like seems like you can take anything, but the second you like offer up like a local anesthetic, like nearly faints at the idea of a needle. So yeah, I had a young guy who'd come in from a work site nearby and it had a buzzsaw like mm. hit him in the thumb and he lost like a fair bit of blood and tissue from there, which it was, it was a bit full on seeing it for the first time being yeah. like, wow, that is what bone looks like <laughs> yeah. in someone who's not being surgically like dissected. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was a really, really nice guy. He was like, just letting me do whatever I needed to do. Like, and I was just like, oh, I haven't done a cannula yet. Are you happy to cannula you? And he was just like, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. And then like the needle came out and like, we nearly had to call like four code blues on him from oh, fainting, just like guy. constantly fainting. And he was like such a trooper though. Like yeah. we just got along like a house on fire. We're chatting heaps. And he was like, you seriously just, you can cannulate me. It's fine. And every time he'd like nearly pass out and I'd have to stop and be like, are you good? And he's like, yep, yep. All right, let's do this again. And it kept going on for like 45 minutes. Oh man. And eventually he like, he was like, seriously, if I pass out again, just do it while I'm down. <laughs> and I was, like the nurse was like, um, I don't know if we can do that. We just had to like work him through it until eventually it was fine. Yeah, that was also my first attempt at a referral to, um, mm. yeah, that was not fun trying to refer to plastic surge. Yeah. Like, I don't mean to place blame on any, and I don't want to attach stigma, but like, <laughs> in my head, plastics are villains until proven otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, he, I think he meant well, and he called back later and apologized, but like, oh he, he, he <laughs> grills me on anatomy when I was like, just oh reading the gosh. intern's notes, like, to actually do the handover, and I was like, yeah, and there's like, a piece of like, piece of tissue missing from the thumb pad and he just like interrupted my referral and was like what is a thumb pad like who taught you that and I was like oh I literally was just reading notes and he was like well there is no such thing as a thumb pad if you read your anatomy book and I was like I went to Zoom Uni I never had to like I never got to learn the anatomy (laughs) like I had a week of getting drawn on with paint and then they were like lol lockdown yeah so oh yeah but no it ended up being a good experience and like I got to do some suturing and Yeah. yeah It's a fun time. I had that experience with so many tradies, though. So many of them, like, terrified of needles. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely, like, a hot tip for EDs, that, like, when you're putting in needles, first time, always, like, ask a patient 
if they're okay because I think yeah. like when you don't like it's so easy to just start whacking it in and yeah. it's such a common like phobia you know? definitely I just I was I don't know like how you guys have found it but like I know they always are like yeah go for like the smallest vein possible and like always like go back of the hand to start with and then move your way up Oh, really? I could I could not cannulate anything but a juicy cubital fossa in eating. <laughs> like the nurses were always like, just go to the anti cubital fossa, like you're fine. Yeah. yeah. I didn't try I any cannulons yeah. until Anno's. And then oh, thank God that makes me feel better. Because yeah. I was just like everyone else seemed to be doing hand ones and I was like, how? And when I was doing the hand ones, like I would miss them like like all the time and a consultant mm. would just be so frustrated because he can do it like Eyes closed, yeah. like hands behind yeah. his back, but yeah. Oh, like I also a difficult just skill. Like, get mixed up with the equipment. I'm like, which bit goes where every time? <laughs> it just looks so it looks so bad. But I'm like, they just I always forget, you know. Yeah. But you, once you know it, you know it. I had the this, dexterity. I had this cardiac surge reg when I was on like my surge rotation, where like the nurse and like two residents couldn't get the cannula in, and she just like rocked up. Like which, we were on a ward round, and she was just like, "What's happening?" and she literally was, like, one-handed doing everything, like, still talking to the patient, like, flicking the lid off the cannula with, like, one hand and then, like, cannulating with one hand and putting everything on one-handed. Yeah. And she just kind of, like, walked away like a boss and I was like, God, I want to have that, like, kind right. of competency and confidence by the time I'm <laughs> yeah. a registrar. Yeah. yeah, we'll get there, guys. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> what about you, man? Do you have any good stories for me, D? Yeah, so I did Easy in Shepparton, which is a country town in, in Victoria. I think the, the most country thing in the Easy was seeing all the man versus sheep um, oh, yeah. versus cows sort of being pinned yeah. up against the fence sort of thing. So that was definitely very country. And the first suturing experience I had was on a young guy who stood up into his tractor and just opened up his, his scalp. And that was an amazing experience, but his mum was filming me the entire time, like, <laughs> no. sending all these photos to his brothers. Yeah, it was a very um, fun but crazy experience. What happened with, like, the man versus animal ones, though? Because I only saw, like, someone who fell off a horse while they were riding it, and mm. it was, like, a minor trauma call. But, like, what happened with, if it was, like, getting attacked by a sheep, like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, the, um, there were a few, I remember, there were a few um, people who fell off a horse, and that was, like, pretty serious, I think. Yeah. Like, horses are pretty tall. Like, yeah. They are so tall. Yeah. And if they, like, whack you off it, then you go, like, flying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they managed them as, like, a full-on, like, trauma call sort of thing. It's definitely limited in a lot of ways. Like, they don't have a cath lab mm. um, or all these other services, like, any sort of... Um, like bad head trauma and stuff, they were very um, limited in what they were able to do and they'd have to sort of make a decision about, you know, are we going to send them to Melbourne or mm. those sorts of things. So it was yeah. interesting in, in that respect. Yeah. No, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, um, you know that there's a, a really effective treatment available yeah. and like it's like within the realm of possibility, but just because of geography, you know mm. that it's not accessible, which, yeah, was a bit weird sometimes. Did it alter your learning at all last year? Because I remember, like, when I was, like, going through, you know, like, management of, like, myocardial infarct and stuff, it was always just kind of, like, oh, yeah, take them to cath lab and, like, here is, like, the the pros and cons to, you know, catheterizing and um, doing the stenting and stuff. I would say I only really saw, like, a few AMIs in yeah. my time in the ED. Yeah. Um, for most of the bread and butter, like, most of the management was very, very similar. It was only, like really bad trauma or MIs or that mm-hmm. kind of ilk that went to the city. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, and it was sort of discussed. It was like, we would take this person to cath lab, but we're in Shep, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, um, it's really interesting in Shep because they, 
if someone has a stroke, they don't have neurologists on site because it's like too small a hospital to have like a neurologist really? there. Well, actually, it's not that small, but they just don't have yeah, a neurologist there all the time. Um, so they have like a computer with like a like a Zoom screen built in. And they just wheel it round to the patient's bed and they Zoom a neurologist, and no it's way. like this like instruct you know, the doctors there, what extra tests they want yeah. and sort of ask about the neuro findings. Yeah. It's actually, like, pretty interesting. Yeah. Have you got any stories from ED, Maddie? A tutor last year in Peds told the most cutest story. This little, like, four-year-old boy, like, woke up in the middle of the night and had just gotten these brand-new jeans that he loved <laughs> um, and tried them on and poor thing, his foreskin got cut <gasps> and got stuck in the zipper. Oh, <laughs> no. in the middle of the night, though, so I had to wake up mum and poor things in so much pain and oh and God. they didn't know this so when they were fixing it and they had to they cut the jeans and poor thing was really upset That's but so mum I think went out and got him another pair the next oh. day that is so cute <laughs> like so sad if I only had a button fly yeah. <laughs> should have gone to the button yeah. <laughs> never oh, zipped again so sad <laughs> he's never zipped again <laughs> it's belt or nothing yeah. <laughs> So I haven't had much paediatric experience yet. Like, my next rotation's peds. Yeah. But um, I did get to go into recess. Like, I spent a lot of time in recess um, early on because a lot of the stuff that we were seeing on the main floor in ED was, like, I don't think we still had... I think COVID ED had kind of gone by that stage because we'd mm. come out of... I think this was, like, early 2021, so things were calming down a bit. Um, mm. And the main floor was kind of, like, respiratory fever and stuff, so they were, like, med students can't be there. Go spend some time in recess. Um, yeah. We, yeah, one of the times in recess, a kid had broken his arm and they needed to reset it, but they weren't going to propofol in the same way because there was something about, like, kids with propofol that they need closer monitoring, like, almost anaesthetic style. So instead they did ketamine infusion for him. Yeah. And he was, like, dead set on going on a holiday to Italy, like, in 2021, like, really keen for the international borders to open. And so, like, as he was going off to sleep, like, his mum was just trying to calm him down and be like... You're just going to go on, like, a really nice, like, you're going to have a really nice dream and, like, dream of Italy and, like, obviously ketamine. Like, we know like yeah. we know what happens when we like, give people ketamine. You don't go to Italy. You don't go to Italy. <laughs> no, but, like, he, he woke up and was, like, really groggy, but we were like, how was Italy? And he was like, it was so good. And, like, started, like, tearing oh, up. Wow. And he was like, Aww. he was like, the garlic bread was so good. And, like... I know, like, he actually got really emotional, and his mum was like, we'll get you garlic bread, and he's like, it's not going to be the garlic bread from Italy, and, like, was losing his mind at wow. it. Wow. sweetie. It was crazy. Yeah, but the actual crazy how clinically effective it was, like, he just yeah. kind of was zonked out. Yeah. You know, I, um, I spent a lot of time with Anos last year, because, like, yeah. anesthetics is kind of, like, where I want to be, and oh, mm. there's some fun stuff that happens in anesthetics. A lot of what we did last year was very just, like, rapid sequence induction, intubate, mm. ventilate, and then, like, wean off ventilation at the end of the surgery. Whereas now dealing with an awake patient who's anaesthetized is really actually... It's so much fun. Yeah. Because it becomes more of, like, you know, like the typical... You know, everyone makes fun of anaesthetists being like, oh, I'm playing Sudoku behind the curtain, like, not doing any work. But, like, meanwhile, they're actually doing so much. Yeah. Like, but, yeah, now watching them be super interactive with the patients and, like, calming them down. Because of the spinal and the epidural and stuff, the hypotension makes patients really nauseated. And you're just like seeing the patients like suddenly stop talking and the anesthetist is just like, are we, 
do you feel like a vomi? And they're like, mm-mm. <laughs> and they're just like, bit of Dexa, and they go, <laughs> a cheeky vom. Cheeky vom, yeah. yeah. They're so calm, and he's they're just so like, calm. I had this story from Shep, like, were you guys, do you remember where you were when there was like that little earthquake in Melbourne? Oh my Boy, God. do I. <laughs> Dude, yeah, because I was in theatre, and they were doing the spinal as oh the earthquake hit. So the needle was in the <gasps> spine, like, and they were about Jeez. to do um, the spinal, and then, yeah, the earthquake happened, and, the animals are so chill. Like, the guy yeah. was from New Zealand, like... Uh, so, so yeah. it was very... Yeah, he yeah. was like, yeah, this is nothing Fellow compared to, to what happens um, back home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just in the notes, they had to write, you know, re-attempted due to earthquake, which is a pretty rare, um, <laughs> yeah. a rare event, I think. My, um, my friend, Morgan, was in a C-section, just, and the baby had just come out, and he was like, I think I just met the Messiah. <laughs> <laughs> such a powerful yeah, influence. I was like, such... we've got to watch that kid. <laughs> Keep an eye on follow-up study. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was um, scrubbed in cath lab yeah. when it happened, and you know that like fabled story they say of like med students will like drop in theatre? Mm. Yeah. Like, I'd already done a full surgical rotation, and I was like, I scrubbed for literally like 12 hours with cardiac surgery, or yeah. like eight hours pulling on a leg for ortho and I was like surely standing here is not gonna make me faint like how is this happening because yeah. I felt like the whole room was spinning and then stuff started falling off the shelf and I was like wait what and the nurses are like is the room shaking and I was like oh it's not me yeah. but I started like stepping away to be like you know how they're always like sit on the floor yeah, they're like, yeah I was like oh god I want to get down on the floor yeah. <laughs> There's something so special about the way, like, doctors interact with ICU patients. Mm -hmm. Like, I think what really, honestly, turned me over to critical care was watching this interaction. So I got to go on... So I, like, told one of my tutors who worked in ICU that I was really interested in, like, looking into critical care once I'd realised, like, anaesthetics and ED was something I was interested in. And and so I got to go on a ward round with them on a Saturday. And so many of the patients were all ventilated. Like, I think eight of our ten patients were. Mm. And just watching this doctor, every single patient, like, go up to them and say, you know, hi there, my name's XYZ, I'm your doctor today. You're in safe hands. And, like, holding their hand, being like, you're in safe hands. We're going to take really, really good care of you. This is where we're at at the moment. And fully explained everything as if the patient was awake. And then was like... You know, the time at the moment's about 9.30 in the morning. Our visiting hours are going to be this so that your family will come around and see you around here. Mm. Um, and they'll be like, um, your nurse today is XYZ. And like the nurse at the end of the bed would say like, hello. And like kind of get involved in the mm. interaction. And I was like, it's just so beautiful. Because like, you know, we don't know what people perceive when they're asleep. Mm. Um, and I just thought it was such a beautiful interaction. That's and, fascinating. Yeah. Right? It's like, even if the patient doesn't register it sort of makes everyone else respect the patient more by seeing exactly. them as someone who, who is sort of in there. Yeah. And yeah. one out of a hundred patients will register it yeah. and it will just be like the most calming experience oh, yeah. for them as well. Absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah. In terms of like interesting things that you guys have seen like in your ED rotations, like do you have any sort of things that you saw and that sort of, I don't know, inspired you or you thought were just really interesting from sort of a medical perspective? I guess for, for me, one of the things that I, now being in third year, where second year, you know, you're trying to find your feet in the hospital um, and all of the most interesting experiences at that stage are things like, you know, you see classical, you know, triads of um, ascending cholangitis or those kind of things that used to interest you. And now like reflecting back on it, I found that the things that I find most useful and interesting to me have been things that I'll use as a junior doctor much more like patient interaction skills so I got to watch a death in ED which was really like beautiful and dignified so it was a 
quite an elderly woman who'd fallen out of bed at nursing home and had a head strike that was quite bad, but she was under a um, do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. So she was actively being palliated in an emergency and this amazing registrar just like took me aside when he could see that I wasn't really doing anything and he was like, how would you feel about watching a death happen? And like, I'll walk you through everything that's happening um, and you know, teach you about like what we're doing when we're palliating and stuff. And watching that interaction and all the thought that goes into that, making them comfortable and doing all that stuff, I found super, super interesting and mm. probably the most clinically useful stuff I've done in a long time. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was involved in a resus where I got to do CPR on a patient who, okay. um, who coded. And that was a very interesting experience because, um, yeah, I, get, I don't know how to say it. It was, it was because it wasn't, I mean, no like resuscitation is fully planned, but it was mm. very out of the blue and sort of saw how the team responded to something that was very unexpected. Like it was a patient where uh, they didn't really know much about their history or, or what caused the code. Mm. Very chaotic experience. Like someone came over and was like, oh, do you want to try out doing a round of CPR? And, so, and the patient like ultimately passed away. But mm. it was it was just a really interesting experience to see how people act in those situations where it is genuinely stressful. Mm. And it was it was interesting. I was talking to our tutor afterwards who works in the ICU and he sort of said like, it really shows that some people, they, they really snap into a certain mindset and they just mm. and they do their job and they have this really professional and sort of rhythmic way they go about it uh, and I sort of realized that I really wanted that for myself like I really wanted mm. to have the training the skills to regardless of the situation you just like pop into this mindset where you mm. don't stress out and then on the on the flip side you saw how some of the junior staff were really out of their depth in that situation like obviously including myself I had no mm. idea what was going on just like watching and like yeah. just waiting for my my time to to help out and it just mm. seems like worlds away in terms of experience but it's really only a few years which is kind of scary that's such a scary (laughs) (laughs) because you're going to be a doctor at the end of the year i know i like yeah i don't like feel there yet but i reckon you know got to trust the process hopefully by the end of the year exactly it's kind of the thing where like if you feel like you're ready you i feel like you're too overconfident to be a doctor yeah. if that makes sense yeah. Like, yeah. like if you're like yeah I'm ready like you know let's go it almost yeah. makes you an unsafe yeah. intern in, in, in a way like, yeah um, just lacking a bit of self awareness yeah for sure that, that's a like really good segue <laughs> into what I was going to bring up next yeah. which was like just things that you guys wish you'd known as like an MD to going yeah. into like your first ED or critical care rotation and I wish I'd had like that kind of thing that you guys were talking about, like this willingness to be unprepared and just kind of trust the process. One thing that I wish so many people had told me was just to be able to ground your expectations for mm. MD2. And it's so hard to like, I mean, I'm saying this from the other side now, but like, I wish that I could have just convinced myself a year ago to go into like my ED rotation with the mindset of, you know, have some clear learning goals about things that will make you a really practical and useful junior doctor. Like things like learn what a healthy patient that you're not concerned about, or not a healthy, but like mm-hmm. a not critically unwell patient looks like versus a critically unwell patient. Like if you can stand at the end of the bed and go, oh, okay, I'm actually really worried about this and understanding your own limitations mm-hmm. of practice to go, I need to call for help early. But also being so okay with, yeah, not knowing things and being okay with learning things on the go. Like, I used to get so, like, butthurt if I didn't know what was, like, 
what I was doing. Like, I remember, like, reading an ECG mm. and being able to be like, it's this, 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 and, like, picking up on all these tiny things, you know, you read in a textbook. Like, be like, that looks like it could be tiny man of left bundle branch block, and then, like, a consultant's like, no, that's normal. Yeah. I'm like, no, but it's this. And, like, rather than just being like, oh, okay. Whereas, like, now I'm on my women's rotation, and I'm like, why would I know how to interpret a <laughs> CTG without being taught? Why would mm. I know what mm. this looks like? Mm. And I've become so much more comfortable with that, and I because w- I would have got so much more out of my ED rotation had I just been like, let me learn what this looks like, and let me, you know, learn, you know, those kind of things on the go, and be more comfortable with learning on the go, yeah. rather than using every time I was in placement as an opportunity to consolidate mm. my, mm. like, learning. It's a weird balance you have to strike in the sense that in a lot of other areas of life, I feel like if you're really wanting to excel in something, you can just sort of go in all guns blazing and that will help you nine times out of ten. But in medicine, it's really not like that. Like If you go in and you're like a huge gunner, it actually gets in the way of your learning. Mm. It's like you want to be there like in a clinical environment as much as possible, obviously, and it's like soaking everything up. And you have to have quite a lot of confidence I feel to approach people and mm-hmm. ask like look can I see this patient can I assess this patient but also you have to be curious and modest and a yeah, wallflower yes. sometimes and just like yeah. knowing when to do one thing and when when to do the other I find was a learning process yeah and definitely. like sometimes I'd go and I feel very like timid and not want to go up to people sometimes I would like maybe interrupt someone a bit too much and then feel like I went the other uh, other way mm. so I feel like this trying to be confident and have those experiences but you know when it matters also acknowledging that you really don't know anything the the way you have to think in a clinical environment is so different to the academic medicine that i was used to up until that point and just like because i feel like when you learn stuff in md1 you learn lists and like types of presentations but the prioritization of things is just so not emphasized something that could be good to share i think is and some something i just didn't know is that like, what did you guys do when you showed up to placement and you, like, walked into the EZ? Like, what were the steps you went to to, like, start talking to someone or seeing a patient? Because I found that the most awkward or stressful time when you walk into the ED, everything's mm-hmm. crazy around you, and you're like, all right, how do I learn something? Yeah. And I, I found that a bit tricky. Like, what mm-hmm. did you guys do or what, what do you do at the moment? Well, yeah, so, like, when I find myself, yeah, kind of just standing there, I just sort of say, does anyone have anything that they need done? Like, you can do it, nurses will have a cannula or someone will have an ECG or a doctor will be like, oh, I need to go do an abdo exam. Which was, took me a while to figure out that one's good. But I also think on most of my shifts, like, the starting time is at, like, handover time. So then you just go up at the end and ask the consultant and they say, go talk to this doctor. And, like, it's good when they do that, when they assign you to a specific doctor and then you mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just, like, work directly with one doctor the whole shift. But, yeah, what about you guys? Uh, so I used to just go, like, when I would get to ED, I would go up to the staff bench that the, um, like, the consultant in charge was at, and I would just mm-hmm. say, you know, hey, I'm Alex, I'm one of the second year med students, like, I'm on ED tonight, yeah. um, I just thought I'd come and say hello, make myself known, and then mm-hmm. they'd be like, do you know what you want to do? And, like, sometimes I'd go in and be like, I need to, for the love of God, like, revise abdominal, like, presentations. Mm-hmm. So I would just be like, oh, like, I'm pretty dead set today on, you know, my learning goal is to focus on abdominal presentations I'm just going to go scout the bed list and just like as abdominal presentations come in I might just allocate myself and go see that is that okay and they'd be like yeah for sure or you know sometimes they'd be like oh I'd prefer you just allocated to a doctor and you follow them around rather than kind of running a mark but that was kind of how I approached that but then by the end of it I like my thing was like 
find the most junior doctor and be like, you're mine. And like latch onto them for the rest of the shift. I was so privileged that like, for some reason, all of my rotations last year lined up when the doctors would rotate. So my ED rotation would finish when like oh, I moved on you yeah and they would move on as well and nice. I ended up following the same intern <laughs> for the last three rotations like she was on ED yeah. then she was on my surge team then she was on my medical team nice. oh, and so it was just so good just being able to be like you're the most junior you remember what it's like to be a medical student yeah. still yeah. like you're not so not far detached for you like overly complicated niche things that yeah. consults exactly. and yeah. also some of those circumstances like where I'd be like interpreting that ECG and be like it's a little bit of a left bundle and She'd be like, what does that look like again? Like, <laughs> which is just really reassuring to yeah. be like, okay, I'm really stretching myself so far beyond where I need to be. And that was just really good grounding experience, I thought. Yeah, I find it definitely comforting working with the interns because you're like, oh, no, I, I can't do that yet, but I will be able to do that soon. Exactly. Like, you see that they're, like, slightly more competent and yeah. it's like, I can see myself getting to that point. Yeah, mm, that's sure. it. It's definitely about baby steps. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, what about you? How did you go about ED? Yeah, mine was, I feel like, more chaotic, which is maybe why I, w- I want to hear, like, your, your guys' <laughs> like, take on it. Um, but, yeah, like, I would go in and, yeah, like, sometimes I'd introduce myself if, like, people were, like, not taking calls or anything like that. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like, I'd go look at the, the patient list and, like, sort of grab, like, a few ideas of, like, who I would want to see. And then I'd go up to a doctor and be like, hey, look, like, I'm being one of the second-year medical students. Um, I had a look at the board and these are the patients that I'm interested in. Like, do you mind if I go assess them and present my findings? Uh, and that's sort of how I would do it. The thing I like about ED is if you just are present, things happen. Yeah, it's just that's like, it. it. Like, it's where all the most exciting cases well, in, like my, in my mind end up. So there's always something cool to see. And there's a lot of different teams coming to the ED as well, like whether it's yeah. in MedReg or ICU yeah. or or surge consults. So there's always a lot of crossover as well, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you guys have like heard about this, but Austin have like like famously the best potato cakes in the like oh, really? canteen. And the interns were so easy to like convince to do a potato cake around <laughs> like you'd be in the middle of an E D shift and I was just like, I haven't seen a patient in thirty five minutes because like this patient like situation meant that I couldn't go and I'd just mm. be like You've been busy today. Do you feel like you've earned a break? <laughs> like, quick potato cake? Potato <laughs> cake and a coffee. Yeah, I loved my, my um, strong, dirty chai, strong in the coffee and a potato cake as my little break. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But I think that's a really, like, actually a point I wanted to bring up as well in terms of, like, tips and tricks for ED was, like, knowing the value of your time when you're in ED. Mm. Like, if it's just one of those days where you are getting nothing from anyone, just, just being like, I might actually... You know, maybe I'll look at a couple of pa- patients' things and just be like, oh, you know, this patient has, you know, status epilepticus. What mm-hmm. is that? Maybe I'll go read up on that and, like, make my study for today focus on epilepsy and, like, neurological presentations and just, like, go to the library and do that for a bit. I, that's how I would do it. Like, I would go for an hour, come back and try again, and if ED was still, like, crazy and no one had time to, you know, make it worthwhile or it was inappropriate for me to be seeing patients on my own, yeah. then I might call it quits for the day there. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, knowing how to not burn yourself out. Cause yeah. it's like, there's no point just, like, pushing yourself to stay there all night. Mm. For all. The MD2s that are coming into their ED rotations at the moment, you know, you're going to see some of the more senior students in the degree floating around. Make sure that you, like... You know, I, I'm going to be going into like gyne ED or gyne and mm. obstetrics ED soon, and you know I'm going to be latching onto the seniors. If there's going to be an MD4, there, I'll be like, 
please come here and I like I hope when I'm an MD4 next year that the MD2s will come up to me and ask me for advice and tips and tricks yeah my big piece of advice just find your senior colleagues and you know ask them for advice and tips and tricks when you're in there in person and EDS is such a fun exciting rotation like you get to see like so many different presentations and mm-hmm. um it was I think a rotation that made me very excited about like practicing medicine in the future so uh, I'd be very keen for it if you guys um, are going on your ED rotation soon. So best of luck to everyone. Anyways, bye guys. See, See you guys. You.